Hey folks, my name is Andy Sitto. I'm a musician, songwriter, performer, producer, and podcaster living in Denver, Colorado. And my guest today is singer, songwriter, guitarist, and founding member of Buffalo Rose, Shane McLaughlin. Welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. Sometimes I feel like my theme song is like a cop from that 70s show or something. I love it. Um, anyway, I was just laughing because I try to do the intro as the music's going on, right? Introduce myself, introduce the guest in that, uh, you know, quick 20-second clip or whatever. But anyway, my guest, Shane McLaughlin, we have a great conversation um, we met at FARM, which stands for Folk Alliance Region Midwest. If you're in that scene at all, there's a conference called Folk Alliance International that happens every year in February. Um, this year it was in Kansas City, and in 2023 it'll be in Kansas City again. My first Folk Alliance ever was uh, was Folk Alliance International back in February. I had a great time. Um, but all the there's a bunch of regional conferences, too, that are smaller and— um, I kind of suspected if I go to one of those this year, maybe it'll be, maybe I'll meet some, some more people and some different people, people, and it'll be, um, I don't know, a little bit easier to meet people in the community because it's smaller. And I, and I think I was right. It was, I, as much as I enjoyed Folk Alliance International, I think I enjoyed the regional conference, the Midwest region conference even more. Um, and the first night, I think it was the first night I saw Buffalo Rose perform. They're a six piece group um there's shane who plays guitar and vocals there's a mandolin there's a dobro there's an upright bass and there's two additional singers um it's a great group they were uh, they were sort of the talk of the town at the at the uh, conference i feel like um music sort of in the vein of a nickel creek or punch brothers um very upbeat music very energetic um, I, I thought the live performance was very theatrical as well. And I just, I just really, really enjoyed them. And, and a lot of folks did. So if you haven't heard Buff Buffalo Rose yet, um, I think there's a good chance that you will in the coming years. They're, they're a pretty special group. Um, the reason I had Shane on, um, I, because I could have had any of the members on, I suppose. I, I mean, if they, if they were down to do it, but the reason why I asked Shane, is because he and I had an extended conversation on one of the nights, I think the first night, um, chatted for maybe 15 minutes or something and exchanged phone numbers. And so that was the, uh, that was the obvious choice for me. Just shoot him a text and, uh, and get it done. I've done a, a couple interviews where I've had the entire band on, not Buffalo Rose, but other bands. Um, and while there's something cool about that as a podcast listener, I struggle when there's too many different voices going on on uh, an audio only um, sort of deal. So I just had Shane on. Maybe maybe we can get somebody else on from the group in the future or maybe the whole band. I don't know. But I thought I'd get one person and um, and Shane was it. And I, I actually I didn't know if all the members were founding members or how that all happened. Shane explains that in our conversation, but he is one of the founding members. So um, that worked out as well. I was trying to think if there's anything else I need to mention about the... Oh, they put out their new album, of course, again, 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 on November 18th. 
um, and they did their CD release show at the Thunderbird Cafe and Music Hall in Pittsburgh. They're out of Pittsburgh. Um, and they also put out um, a collaboration with Tom Paxton back in February, I believe. So, um, And they're touring a good bit, too. Uh, so, you know, no matter where you live, if you're in Colorado like me or somewhere else, check your con- check their concert calendar and um, let's see where they're playing at. There is a link in the show notes where you can find out more information on Buffalo Rose, such as where they're playing and... Um, you know, see what see what the band looks like and who the other members are and all that good stuff. So I do want to make mention that there are a few times in this interview where we have some connection issues. And a lot of times, if it's a longer connection issue, if it takes a little bit of time to resolve itself, I'll edit it out of the podcast. Uh, the few times where it happens in this episode, it's just for a couple seconds. And so I've found over time that uh, doing this podcast that it's sometimes is cleaner to just leave it in. So that's what I do here. And there's only one time where um, it's hard to know exactly what he's saying. And so I ask him to repeat himself. But the other couple times it happens, it's uh, pretty free-flowing and he he jumps right back in. So just so you're aware, there's a couple short connection issues, but nothing too serious. Real quick, thanks to our sponsor, Narrator Music. For simple and affordable licensing for sync, visit narratorrf.com. I'm also looking for a couple new sponsors. Um, if you're interested in that, we can chat about just a quick mention or a 15-second or a 30-second spot, 60-second spot, whatever. Shoot me an email at middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support this podcast in a completely free way, give it a five-star rating review and review, excuse me, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. just takes a second, and it's a huge help. If you'd like to support in a monetary way, you can do so for as little as $3 a month on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W. All right, let's do the show. Shane McLaughlin, what's happening? Andy, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm doing well. And we just met in October at... uh, Farm Folk Alliance Region Midwest, and uh, I saw I saw Buffalo Rose perform there, and we got to chat a little bit, and uh, it was quite a, a captivating show. and And I I think Buffalo Rose was one of the one of the main groups there that that everyone was talking about. I think you all made quite an impression. <laughs> thank you, thank you. We had a blast there. It's so fun to be in those spaces where th- those conferences are kind of hard to describe to people. Yeah. Uh, who haven't been to one it's like it's like a music festival in a hotel but it's networking and business and you're meeting all of these bands and all these cool people and seeing a ton of music and learning about the industry so it it, it's one of my favorite spaces to be in it's so fun it's a music festival for musicians they don't let the general public in but do you remember i don't know (laughs) i don't know if you were there for this or not but uh my manager ellie hosted a the the colorado room and um the third night, somebody let this guy from the bar in because he was like, I've been hearing this insane music all weekend. And uh, someone was like, I don't remember who it was. They're like, well, fuck it. Come on back. Yeah. And, and we'll show you what's going on. And he was just sitting in there drinking beer and having the time of his life. It was a free music festival for him. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, but it got me thinking, you know, it's uh, what's so bad about that? I don't know. <laughs> 
Totally. Yeah. I, I, I think I ran into that in one of the rooms downstairs too, where there was just a couple of people who were there for a wedding who were in after party mode and, you know, we're just there vibing out and having a great time and adding to the energy of the room and the performance, you know? Well, it's, isn't, how is the energy different um, when it's just musicians watching you as opposed to fans? I would say it's quite different. I think yeah. there's a lot more, I think it's harder to be present, I would say, because I think you know everyone is a player and is like really skilled and, um, but at the same time, you know that they're just such fans of music. So it's almost like they're, uh, they're there to be won over. You know what I mean? They're so excited to like find something new. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's what comes to mind first. Well, and it's this great community thing, but also there you, one artist finishes, the next artist starts in some ways. It's very cutthroat. You fight for this slot, you play, you get off, you play, you get off, not cutthroat, but just very, quick moving oh, yeah. in, in, in a way. And, um, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to me to see because, you know, everyone there has, is there for a reason, right? Everyone has their own agenda as they should. They spend all this uh, time and money to come out. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I find the whole, I find the whole thing interesting and I agree with you. It's tougher to be present because I'm thinking about who just walked into the room. Who do I have to shake hands with? Where am I playing next? I got to play my best stuff. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> so I know you live in Pittsburgh now. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Virginia and like the Shenandoah Valley area. Okay. Okay. And, and did you grow up there your whole life? Pretty much. Pretty much. We spent one year yeah. in Montana when I was in seventh grade. Um, but the rest of the time I was all in, uh, Charlottesville and Harrisonburg, which are like, they're both about an hour from each other, right? Smack yeah. dab in the Blue Ridge mountains. Yes. Yes. And what was the reason for the one year move to Montana? Oh, my dad, uh, got a different job out there and I, and he is always, you know, he's got a, a bit of an adventurous streak in him. Uh, but the job, uh, didn't work out, uh, yeah. And he knew that, like, I think a month or two in, but stuck it out for us for the rest of the school year. And uh, then and then we came back to Virginia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And were you big into music as a kid? Yeah, I would say I was. I think I, I wasn't big into playing music until I was in about eighth grade or so. But I was very much big into listening to music for a long time and there was a lot of music around the house and uh always you know kind of i kind of grew up in the like beginning of itunes era you know where it's like burning a cd to take to listen to on the bus of like a couple of different songs um or like a, a mix of songs and sharing music in that way uh, so de definitely grew up around a lot of music and, and both my brothers play as well. So, and when did you get in your first band? First band, I, I guess when I was a 
sophomore in high school would be the first band. I'm, I'm not sure that we had a name, um, but we played a couple of shows. Uh, <laughs> it went we had great. a band, I can't remember the name. <laughs> yeah, if we had a yeah. name, I can't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the whole point of starting a band at that age was to come up with a cool name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, what did you do then? after high school i mean at that point were you all in with music did you go to school did you do something else i went to school i think i i wasn't quite all in with music then uh maybe because i think partially i didn't think it was realistic or i didn't have the community uh around me to um see that future or um so i went to school for something else, I went to school for finance and like studied and took some music classes also. Uh, and then once I moved to Pittsburgh and started getting involved in the musical community here and meeting people and seeing people who had the same vision for their life as I did, I think that was when uh, I could feel it in my heart, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and you knew you needed to to pursue that. Was there a number of uh, bands for you then between the, or, or were you just doing solo singer songwriter stuff? I mean, what happened from then up until uh, the start of Buffalo Rose? <laughs> yeah, I've never done much solo singer songwriter stuff. Um, I, let's see, played in a, I, I think the first real band that I was in uh, was a funk band. Jason and I, the bass player from Buffalo Rose, always joke about how we're like, yeah, you know, we all had our embarrassing college funk band era. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I did that for a while, like playing electric guitar. And um, then after that, I was in sort of a psychedelic rock trio, also playing electric guitar. Uh, and then... At the same time that that was going on um buffalo rose was starting to take shape D had you met everyone in that group already not everyone who's currently in the group so, I was gonna, so no actually yeah. no i had not i i had met uh our, our first project that we did was it was just three singers and the dobro player and i had met all of them at that time the Lucy, who is still in the group, and Mac were both playing in this rock and roll band uh, at the time. And uh, we're, we're all a bunch of reformed rock and rollers, honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, Mariko, who was another one of the founding members I had uh, met through the music scene in Pittsburgh also. Yeah. Um, and But so this was, what year did this first, what was the first like formation of the group? 2016. 2016. Okay. And how did you get to the members? I mean, how did the, I guess I should ask first, how did you first get, how did this start? How did you get roped into this? And it's, and it's a different genre of music from what, from what you were kind of doing before that. For sure. For sure. Well, I had always really loved acoustic music, singer, songwriter, folk music. I love like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. The the first place where I ever played an open mic was like Old Crow Medicine shows, like Home Turf, like they played open mic there like way back in the day. So that kind of music just always been 
a big part of who I am. And I had seen a couple of really cool videos that were put together uh, by this, I guess, local, pro uh, like, uh, sort of, I'm not sure what to call it. Honestly, it, it was a, uh, it was a, like a one or two man organization that was making these singer songwriter videos. And I had written this song that I really loved and that really meant a lot to me. And so originally I just wanted to record that. And so the, the four of us met up and arranged this single song and, uh, went to record it. And it was uh, released on the day that I graduated from college. And we all just fell in love with making music together. And it, by the end of that year, we had recorded an EP and the mandolin player had joined the band. And then I think in, in January, the year after that, uh, we had asked the bass player to join. And then you became six. And then we were six. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of a neat way to get started. Uh, just just from one song, and you guys got together and, and realized you enjoyed uh, the collaboration. It was cool. It was really special. Yeah, it's not all. It's not. But those six are not all the current six, right? It sounds like you've got uh, Mac and and Lucy, and you asked. I mean, is is Jason the original bassist and Bryce the original mandolin? Yes, yes, yes. So it's it's. Uh... Margot, uh, who currently sings with us, is the third iteration of that singer. Third and final. I call her the Charizard. She's the final evolution. Uh, she uh, and, and there were two other um, incredible singers who helped us get to where we are today and, uh, you know, left for, for different uh, personal reasons, you know. Yeah. Um, they were just part of the journey. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, wh what's that like losing a band member once you've gotten started? I mean, what were you guys playing a lot of shows when you when this happened both times? Yes, yeah. Uh, it's so hard. Uh, I think, especially not not to discredit any instrumentalists, but I think, especially losing a vocalist, someone who. Uh, you have to blend with, you know, it, it, uh, and not to mention the fact that over time you develop very close personal relationships with someone and you are going to be spending vast amounts of times with, of time with them. You know, you really want to make sure that you gel with the person musically and personally. So it was very hard. I, I think we really have been lucky to, uh, find someone find not not just find someone find incredible people who um when one person has has left and stepped down but uh it can be it can be very stressful you know what i mean uh and yeah when you're through the changes i think now we've we've gone through it and we're at this incredible uh place of forward motion but there was a period of oh my god what are we going to do you know, how are we going to book shows if we don't find someone? Was there any shows that you had to do without uh, Margot? I mean, before Margot came along, was there a, a gap there? Or do you guys stop playing until all six pieces are filled? I think in the past, way, way back, we've done some shows with only two singers, but we will, you know, 
by the time uh, that Mario was there, our arrangements had gotten uh, like complex enough where it wouldn't have worked if we didn't have all six of us. Yeah, and I and I think the instrumentation is, is interesting because you've I mean, bass, dobro, mandolin, guitar, vocal, and then there's two other people that are vocalists, mm-hmm. um, and that's and that's what they do. That's what they do in the group, and I think that, I mean, there's so much to the arrangement if you can have have extra vocalists there. I mean, so many bands say, well, who's going to be the singer, and can you sing harmonies on this? But you have two more dedicated people. Uh, uh, to singing, it makes the arrangements really uh, unique. I think. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's definitely like having an additional instrument in the band. You know. Yep. Um, but less space in the van. <laughs> less space in the van for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's okay. Yeah. You guys released your first full length, "The Soil in the Seed," uh, back in 2018. Right. Yeah. March 30th of 2018. Um, at what point did you decide we're going to make an album? Were you already touring at this point or is that something that came after the first album? I would say. Uh, how we define real touring, you're like started after that album. We had done some touring before the album. Yeah. Um, playing some out of town shows, but I think it really began after that album was released. What do you call, what do you call real touring? <laughs> uh, let's see. Is I it think, like a certain amount of nights or? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't want to qualify things as, as real touring or not real touring. Right, right. Actually, I, I think I'm going to rescind that. Can we, can we, can we, let's, yeah. let's grab that. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Because I think any time that you are putting in the amount of effort and time it takes to travel to another city and play that's touring um i think that once the album came out maybe there was an internal shift and a drive to to do more you know and and to push into new cities and places and to uh try and get the music out in different ways and uh you know we were still learning how to how to do it all at that time you know I, it was i was still doing the booking for the the band you know and it, that was a learning process in itself yeah well in and notice when you're talking about real touring i mean we've all we've all done so many tours where you're you're playing um places where you're just at the mercy of who happens to be in the bar um <laughs> right it's a gig not a show and, and but you do it because you, you're trying to build something and mm. and um, and it's it's tricky. But to get into touring a little bit and and booking, how much at the beginning there after you put out that first album, how much were you going out on the road? And um, I mean, how much were you were you doing those types of gigs? Doing the types of gigs like uh, a like a gig gig not a show type whatever you can get yeah yeah whatever whatever you you can get in bozeman montana or whatever (laughs) town you're in right yes um how much were we touring i i'm not sure i think we were probably mostly doing weekends and i would say we maybe did between maybe if i had to guess like 30 shows that year or something so not not a ton um and i think part of that is 
because we have been pretty selective about trying to just use our time effectively. I, I think, which means we've done less of gig gigs and, and, and uh, more show gigs, but it also means we've played less. Yeah. And I think that there's pluses and minuses to each of the things that I like. We, we've definitely witnessed people and bands, you know, uh, take a step back because of burnout. But I think that there's also a, a musical, a heightened musical aspect when you're playing consistently, like, you know, after three or four shows on the road, you're, you're, you're tight, you know, you play better, you sound better. Um, and there's also like a marketing perception thing. I think that goes along with it where it's like, look at this big tour that I'm doing of a bunch of dates in a row, maybe regardless, you know, uh, if they're all, whether or not they're all amazing or not, they're probably not all amazing because that's just how it works. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Uh, but I think the per perception is like pretty important. Um, obviously. And I think that that is a, a big factor in trying to grow or even trying to get someone to come and see you in one of those places. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And with six people, um, that's a lot of people to be traveling with too. Um, do you guys, you guys just go in a, a sprinter van, right? Yes, we have a sprinter, Jeffrey. And Jeffrey. Yes. Jeffrey okay. the sprinter. Of course, Jeffrey <laughs> has a name. And do you have to bring a trailer? Can you guys fit all your gear, uh, in the van? We do not have a trailer. Miraculously. Um, Mac, who is our Dobro player. Yeah. Uh, and our, you know, our, our engineer, he, you know, mixes and does a ton of the production on the record, um, is definitely a jack of all trades. And he took a bunch of the seats out of the back of the van, uh, and built, uh, compartments for the instruments. And you can, uh, you know, we can be horizontal in the back of the van. I wouldn't call it a bed, but it's, uh, it, it helps to be able to have like your own space a little bit back there when you might need it. Yeah. So every, everything's contained in the van. Yeah. 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 And now going out on these, on these short runs, doing 30 shows in a year, everybody still has a day job at this point, right? Yeah. Right, you know, in 2018. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so what were you doing? Uh, in 2018. I feel like I was either, Starting to, let's see. I was probably just leaving my job, my sales job. I, I used to work for a, a solar panel company and starting to teach music. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you did. So, well, and that's a job too where you can leave when you need to. Yes. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Something I noticed about seeing you guys live in, in, uh, I noticed it some more. I was reminded of it when listening to the new album again, 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 which came out November 18th, just came out a couple of weeks ago. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Something I, I noticed when first seeing you guys live and I mean, the is a, a theatrical element. Um, there's a, a musical element when you listen to the music, um, which, you know, I, I think of maybe like nickel Creek or punch brothers or something musically, um, but, uh, yeah, 
but it, it our, our heroes <laughs> oh they're oh they're yeah yeah in, incredible um there's something i don't i don't know listening to to songs like modern love i feel like oh this could be a musical right they could be <laughs> uh that sort of a thing and i when i i found it interesting seeing your guys live show at folk alliance which we're playing in little tiny rooms a lot of times um there's not always a ton of room to like you're we're not on stage at these folk alliance things uh, for most most of the sets and um you guys made it very theatrical i don't know if you rehearsed the moves but it was it was it was more than the soloist stepping forward it was you know the mandolin player is gonna walk behind the singer and then up through the bass player up to the front and and it just all seemed like it moved <laughs> around so perfectly um is there a, a a musical or a theater influence there at all? And how much of that is rehearsed that way? <laughs> I would say there is absolutely a musical and a theater influence. Um, all three of the singers were in like uh, plays and, and musicals growing up, but especially uh, Margot and Lucy. Um, and... So that's a that's a huge part of you know is the the drama of the musical, and I would say almost every band member is a fan of musicals. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as the choreography, it's not something that we rehearse. I think it's occasionally something that we talk about, and it's also something that's sort of worked out show by show where. People will try different things. So not every, not every show is the same. And, and I would wonder if it would become, if it would be harder to be organic, if it was like, all right, now this, at this moment, I take like two steps forward. So like, there's still an element of presence to it because it's not as rigid and like our set list isn't the same every show. But I think that there are things that we, develop over over time and then we're like okay now this is something that happens every show yeah yeah well i know i know i just it was something that struck me right away and then listening to the album i was kind of picturing you guys performing them as i was as uh i was listening and and it's and you guys are also very um enthusiastic uh performers too and uh, and the music lends itself to that. It's fun. It it's fun, happy music for the most part. Um, mm. And I mean, is that is that something that was planned that way, or is that just kind of how it all meshes together with the six of you? I would say it's something that all meshes together. I think there uh, the longer that you play together as a group, the easier it becomes to identify like who you are together as opposed to individually. And I think eventually that finds its way into your creative practice, you know, where you're, where you're making things for, with, with the group in mind, you know, as opposed to just creating. Right. Right. And, and to jump into the new album a little bit, this was a collaboration somewhat with Tom Paxton, correct? So that was actually our, our previous rec our previous EP rabbit 
which came oh, out in oh, February, oh. was a uh, was a collaboration with Tom Paxton. Yeah. Um, uh, and then this this record is is um, is is more our own, I guess. Yeah, or it was not a collaboration, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Well, so there's been a lot of stuff that's come out this year. Yes, and yeah. I mean, I know uh, Runaway, which, you know, has been kind of a big song for you guys came out early with back in February or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 Right before Folk Alliance or like a little bit before um, came out in February. Correct. Yeah. And that that was a um, a co-write with Tom, uh, as was um, Greenlight. Yeah, that that whole EP was was uh, something that uh we either made with Tom or was inspired by him. Cool. Cool. Very mm-hmm. neat. This, so this new one, um, was it recorded in Pittsburgh? I mean, what was, what was the process like? And were you guys the, uh, self-producing? Yes. Yeah. Um, with it, with a larger amount of the produ- producer share going to Mac for sure. Um, as the engineer, um, yeah, it's funny that we actually recorded and finished this record before starting the Tom Paxton project rabbit, which came out after we recorded okay. it in Pittsburgh at a, uh, at a small church, um, uh, over a, uh, some stretch of, of time, uh, that, and, uh, we mixed it at a studio in Gainesville, Florida called Pulp Arts, mm. um, which is the same place that we mixed rabbit. Um, yeah, I think this, this one, the album was something that we spent a very long time making and recording and arranging. And I think a lot of it was us learning how to, uh, produce and make an album and then, uh, finishing that it was, it was finished was mixed last august so like 14 months ago um and then yeah yeah and then after that we were like oh maybe we need something else so then in between uh like september and just we uh, made the ep oh i'm sorry you you that last sentence cut out could you say that one more time Yes, uh, it, it was finished, it was mixed and recorded at the end of last August, so like 14 months ago. And then yeah. in between September and December, we, uh, we realized we needed something a little bit more uh, to get ourselves out there. So we made the EP with Tom in, uh, in that time. If you're making this album in a church, I'm guessing everyone's not in an ISO booth or anything, right? Are you, are you guys all together, one room, same time? It was different for different songs. So we, you're correct, there are no, there were no ISO booths. Um, and there were a few songs where upright mandolin and guitar tracked together. Uh, and aside from that, everything else was done one person at a time. Um, and what was it about the, what was it about a church space that you wanted? I mean, what, is there something about that sound that you wanted? Why did you record it there? Well, the room does sound incredible. It is, it's a very small church has amazing, 
natural reverb. Um, but I think it was also a uh, limitations informing creativity type of thing where we uh, could use the space for free because a couple of us work there. or So maybe not for free, but uh, we had an arrangement with them yeah. um, where a few of us work there so we could uh, record there and take our time and you didn't have didn't have to work against the clock. Didn't have to work against the clock. Yeah. <laughs> and and now you held on to it for a while after after making it, which happens sometimes with records. I think a lot of people think you record it and you release it. There's a lot more that goes into it. From the last day of recording to release date, just a couple of weeks ago, what did you guys do with the album in the meantime? Well. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> it, just, it sat on the shelf. <laughs> I think it's a lot of it. It sat on the shelf, and we, you know, did the other things that you need to do to get ready to release an album, which is you know get them mastered and get the artwork and and do all of that stuff. But I think, uh, it it was a little crazy and ridiculous, you know, to finish it. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, be like, actually, we're, we need to, we need another project and we're going to start it like right now and finish it in the next couple months. You know, so part of that uh, mentality, I think, uh, is what maybe shifted it to the mental back burner for a few months. And then once um, Rabbit came out, we were able to sort of like uh, uh, re-engage with it. From a recorded standpoint, I, I will say though we have a lot of the songs we've been playing as a part of our live set for a while, um, yeah. so we were still really present with it that way. Um, but there was it wasn't like you're working on a 14 month master release plan. This is what <laughs> we're gonna do when we're gonna do it, kind of thing. No, 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 uh, no. Uh, maybe for the next. For the next one, we'll have we'll have the master plan ready. Yeah. Hey, I I I usually just use the period of time as an excuse to create a master plan, but it never gets created, and then at some <laughs> point you got to put the damn thing out. Totally, yeah. <laughs> Turns out creating a master plan is very hard, and it's it's yeah, it's uh, I mean, making a record as you know is, is super challenging, and marketing one I would say is maybe harder because at least with making it, you kind of know what at this point we know what we have to do. Yeah. 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 yeah, Absolutely. And what, what is the plan going forward now that it's out? Um, you guys have a bunch of tour stuff coming up. I see there's a, a a lot of stuff coming up kind of in January, um, Mm -hmm. towards the end of January. What's, what's the release plan now that it's out? Yes, definitely. Uh, yeah, we've got some great touring stuff and a couple of exciting things that came through in the last, uh, couple of days, which is really cool. Uh, I think, I would love to make a live video for every song. I, I think our, our live show just brings people in in a way that a recording can't, you know, just because of the, the way we perform. Uh, and hopefully uh, make, make one uh, our music video, you know, conceptual music video as well as uh, yeah, just trying to get the music out there uh, digitally and in person, face to face in in rooms and and uh, farm fields across 
the country, you know? Yeah. You know, and you just touched on something there. A lot of artists now um, don't tour much, right? They they make the music, and that's it's great. It's it. Uh, I think it opens doors for people who don't want to tour can still make music and can and can still make it happen. You mentioned that the live show is a really big part of of your group. Um, is that something you guys desi- really desire to do too? Like we want to present these live. It's not just out of promotion. This is like a big part of who you who you are as people. Definitely, I would say so. I think we all are performers and love performing and it's a big part of what we do and who we are. Uh, uh, for me, at least, it's an essential part of of playing and being a musician. You know, it's one of the things that I love the most and maybe outside of writing is one of the most like present and uh, pure and joyous things that you can do as a musician. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, Talking about collaborations a little bit, I, I know we just touched on Tom Paxton for a second. You also put out a song in 2019 called Rocket Ship, and you had an artist called Chalk Dinosaur, Dinosaur, Chalk Dinosaur, there, that's what I meant to say, <laughs> yes. uh, do a remix. And I think it's interesting because you're using a lot of, um, you know, in a way it's, it's old roots music, it's folk music, and... Um, you're also modernizing it in a way too. And you're working with people of all different generations, um, people in their eighties and however old Chalk Dinosaur is <laughs> probably not in his eighties based on his, his musical style. Yes. Um, what, how did that come about? How did this remix happen? Man, well, we've been huge fans of Chalk Dinosaur for a long time. He is another musician based in Pittsburgh who has just been, crushing it in the sort of like jam electronica scene. Uh, he, um, he frequently plays like opening for Lotus and like some like the biggest acts in that, in that genre. So we've always been a huge fan of his music and we, we love a ton of different kinds of styles. I mean, we all come together and make acoustic music, but, we love pop music. We love dance music. We love, you know, R&B and soul and all this stuff. So it's really fun to dream about, you know, the different ways that the songs can take shape too. Like I think for a while I was like, man, what if we got someone to remix and like release like electronified versions of a bunch of the songs on this on this record? Um, but that, that song actually came about he john is his name uh uh mr dinosaur contacted us about it yeah john dinosaur he's actually on my phone is john dinosaur (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um actually contacted us about doing the remix um uh to which we were like hell yes that would be awesome and i i had worked with him in the past just on a couple of random projects or like getting together together to write and stuff um Yes, but he he was interested in in remixing it uh, and reached out to us. How important is collaboration from a promotional standpoint in 2022? I think it's huge. I think we... There are a ton of artists out there who are... um, 
building their own communities, right? It's like you have your own community of people who are huge fans of what you do. We have our own community. And there are there are just moments of crossover, you know? And I think that if we collaborate with people, we can lift everyone up and everyone can grow together. It's it's It can be really hard to connect organically with people uh, out, you know, in, in the more digital space, just because there's so much out there. You know, if you and I want to go and like find some acoustic music on Spotify, there's probably hundreds of thousands of options, but if we can directly as fans of each other's music, make something together and share it with each other, then uh, it really can bring those two communities together and, and just share the love, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You've gotten to uh, play some pretty cool shows and some of the acts you've opened for, the Wood Brothers, Mipso, Pokey Lafarge, Tyler Childers, infamous String Dusters, um, and, and then you've shared the stage with Sam Bush. How did some of those shows come about? And did, did you do any full tours with any of them, or was that a, a local support kind of thing? They were all local support, I think, except for Sam Bush was uh, was out of town. Um, yeah, they all came about in different ways. The uh, Let's see, the String Dusters was like our first big opening gig. Uh, which we uh, contacted the promoter of yeah. uh, the venue and said, "Hey, like, can we can we play on this show?" And one of our singers, who ended up leaving because she was in she was in another project that was really taking off, she couldn't do that show, so we had to do that show with the sub, oh, um, wow. which was like, but it was amazing. The sub uh, crushed it. Her name is Anne Celadonia. She releases her own music under Anne Eliza, um, and. What else? The Wood Brothers uh, was, we, we got asked by the person who promotes, or who puts on those shows, um, which was amazing because I've, I've seen that band like maybe eight times or something. They come to Pittsburgh every year and I see them every time. I, I just love their music. Um, but the yeah. Mipso and Tyler Childers one is the, is the strangest and funniest one. Uh, where we it was at the hard rock cafe in pittsburgh um which the hard rock cafe in pittsburgh is like an an interesting place it's not somewhere that we would normally play but mipso and tyler childers were on the same bill there and it was in it was must have been in like 2017 or something it was a long time ago and they were still like, I don't know, basically unknown. And uh, we played that show. It was like our first show. We had played with a bass for a couple of shows and that was our first one where he couldn't make it and wasn't fully in the band yet. And we were like, we are never doing this again. This is awful. Yeah. We, we miss our, we miss our bass. And uh, Tyler Childer's manager was there and he was like, here, take the CD. Like this guy's going to blow up. Like he's going to, He's, he's going to do really well. Um, and I mean, there was like no one there at the show at the time. And now what? to see like uh, specifically Tyler, like come to Pittsburgh and play like the pit basketball stadium with Sturgill Simpson. It's yeah. insane. It's like, so it's crazy. Um, uh, wow. So y 
you can uh, you can actually say I knew him before he was famous. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, I guess so. If um, who would be the dream tour, and 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 it, you're not necessarily the opener, maybe you're the headliner, and you know, but who would just who would you want to tour with? It could be anybody. Uh, I would say. The Wood Brothers and Lake Street Dive would be our like, oh. you know, the, those two. I, I um, we definitely love their music and put them on a pedestal. And may, maybe the Punch Brothers, honestly, those those would all be all be dreams for sure. Um, this sounds like a killer Red Rocks bill. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh man, yeah. Maybe that'll finally get me out to Red Rock. Red Rocks. Have you ever been to a show there? You live in yeah. Colorado. It's it's about uh, five minutes down the street. Oh my god! <laughs> yes. What was the last show you saw there? Uh, I think I was Tedeschi Trucks. It was Tedeschi Trucks. They were oh great. And god. actually, a couple years ago, I saw Tedeschi Trucks and Wood Brothers were the opener. Oh my goodness! Yeah. And they were—they're so good live. <laughs> they're so good live. Um, oh and actually, as, as much as I enjoy Tedeschi Trucks, I, I actually I, that night I thought i liked the wood brothers set even more a little bit wow yeah that's a dream dream bill right there i would have loved to have been at that show it sounds awesome <laughs> yeah well i bet i bet the first time you go to red rocks you'll be playing it and that'll just yeah. be right you get and, and it is be awesome yeah. it's it's fun seeing you know artists come to town who i like and they post a picture up on instagram of themselves like on the stage in the morning when people are just working sure. out because it's a it's a park during the day, so like you can go, people work out, they do yoga, um, all oh, day cool. long there. So you'll oh, see the nice. you'll see the artists like post a picture while everyone's just working out in the morning, and it's uh, you can see on their faces like what is this? This is so cool. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, that's amazing. I wanted to ask you about uh, your team. Um, you know, it started off just the band. Now you have a little bit more of a team uh behind the group who else do you have and what do they contribute yes we have our booking agent stephanie coronado uh, hi stephanie hey steph we love <laughs> you steph yes we do um she's incredible she's been with us for a long time uh we have our label and the people who work there uh, it's Misra. It's called Misra Records, and uh, Jeff Benton is our uh, like our, our representative there, I guess, as as well as Mara Meyer, who works there, and and helps us out a lot. Um, and those those are the people that are there like all the time. Jeff was also our our manager for some time, uh, and helped us so much. And then I think that there, uh, oh, and one other person. There's another Jeff. Uh, Jeff Myers, who works at this uh, place called This Is Red, which is sort of like a, I guess if you look them up, it says they're an advertising agency, but he is just this incredible creative mind who, uh, you know, shoots video and shoots uh, and uh, has taken some photographs for us and like made a new logo. And, uh, and then aside from that, we have worked with a couple of different people just centered around promoting records. Uh, this incredible uh, rock star radio promoter named Carrie Estrin promoted uh, the Rabbit EP and did an incredible job. Uh, 
we worked with a gentleman named Paul Loggins who promoted uh, one of the singles from our most recent release. And we have worked with Susan Hamilton who works for Sideways Media doing PR for those two releases. It's a, it's a whole thing now. It's a thing. Yeah. That's gotta be exciting to look back at, you know, even just in the last three or four years, uh, you know, how much, how much you've done and, and it's clearly on the rise, right? You're, you're doing bigger and bigger things and that's gotta be neat to, to look back at. Yeah. It's true. I, I, I appreciate you creating this moment of reflection because I think it's sometimes hard to bring those forth when you're so focused on what's next or like now the records come out and it's like, all right, we got to think about how we can promote it, you know, but I think, uh, it's just as important to take a moment of reflection and be like, you know, we've come a long way. I'm sure that, you know, your, your life and career and, skills and community have changed so much over the last four years, you know? Yeah. Yes. And it, I, I think it's really easy to feel stagnant in the industry. If, if you base everything off of whatever you base it off of numbers <laughs> or TikTok followers, I don't know. It's, I think it's easy to feel stagnant, but you know, to other people uh, and, and to yourself, if you take a second, it's, you know, you can say, wow, you know, there's a lot's happened. And certainly it has with, with Buffalo Rose. Um, you're, you're a Pittsburgh based band. Is that, do you all plan to stay there? Is that home for everybody? Or has there been talk about, uh, you just hear so many bands saying, Oh, we're going to go to Nashville or, you know, whatever. We have not talked about it. And I think that this is our home. There are pluses and minuses to living in any city. Yeah. Uh, and I think Pittsburgh has some absolutely wonderful things about it that will keep us here. Um, at least like from just a touring perspective, it, right. it's a seven hour drive to Chicago and New York and Nashville and five hours to Toronto. And, you know, uh, it's like, it's in a relatively good location, like in between the Northeast and the Midwest. Um, and it's quite affordable for a city also, you know, yeah. where somewhere like, you know, those places that I just listed are, can be very challenging, which I think has allowed us, uh, it, it is part of what has given us our sustainability over time. Yeah. Did, and, and it cut out again. Did you say it's part of what's given you your sustain over time? sustainability over time oh, yeah, sustainability. just that we're able to like I, I don't know i think you have to be able to if you want to make a career out of it you have to be able to tour sustainably and live sustainably and create sustainably without like driving yourself mad and, and being super uncomfortable for a long time i think that's a little bit of like a toxic you know artist cliche of of you know suffering and making stuff that you know we're finally starting to like push back against um, so I, I don't know. I think that uh, our Pittsburgh allowing us to live lives where we feel good and comfortable um, has helped us a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a wonderful new record. Again, 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 just came out a couple weeks ago. If you haven't heard it, check it out. They're going to play Red Rocks. Uh, 
in September of 2024 with the Wood Brothers in Lake Street Dive. <laughs> if that actually happens, somebody owes me a hundred dollars. I don't know. Oh, definitely. A, yeah. A listener, a listener has uh, sent me a hundred bucks. I yes, I, I will personally send you a hundred dollars and get you a pizza and a ticket to the show. Yeah. <laughs> Done. <laughs> you didn't even have to throw in the pizza, but I. But thanks. Yeah. I want but, a little bit of it. Yeah. yeah, you can. Yeah, you can have half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thanks so much, uh, Shane, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Andy, it has been such a delight to talk with you. Thank you for having me. Cool. That was a fun conversation. Um, the album's great. Again, again, again. Go check it out. Thank you, Shane, for taking the time to chat with me. Um, I, I truly appreciate it. And I think that's all for me. I look forward to chatting with you next week.